Good evening. Glad you're here tonight. You love the Lord tonight? Boy, we got so much good news to offer people. I want to invite you to stand with me, and we're going to open our Bibles. We're going to look at a lot of Scripture tonight. And, and I just want to help this group, those of us who are here tonight, to really get on the same page about some responsibilities that we have. We first want to talk about the condition of man. So if you have your Bibles, uh, turn with me to Revelation chapter 20, verse 11. Revelation chapter 20, it's going to be up on the screens. But if you have a Bible, you can mark it in your Bible. John the Revelation says, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it. From his presence, earth and sky fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. If anybody ever tells you the Bible doesn't talk about hell, take them right to this spot right here. Uh, this is what the revelator's talking about. Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Father, we thank you for your word, and I pray you would help us to catch uh, the vision and the purpose of our lives on this earth today and encourage us and strengthen us and fill us with boldness in Jesus' name. Amen. Take a minute, say hello to a bunch of people around. If you don't know somebody, go meet them right now. Think about this for a moment. Get this picture. Every person that ever lives will stand before God in judgment someday. Every person. Think about this for a minute. Every person you drive by on the road. Every person. Every person you walk past at the store. Every person. Everyone who ever waits on you at a table at a restaurant. Everyone. Every person you've ever seen in a stadium on TV. Everyone. Every friend you have. 
every coworker, every relative, every child, every son, every daughter, every grandson, every granddaughter, all the people you love, everyone is going to come and stand before God someday. And the, the key to that moment is not that they were nice to other people. The key to that moment isn't going to be, did your mommy or daddy love you? Key to that moment, did grandma and grandpa care about you? My grandchildren, my children are going to stand before God, not on my desires for them. None of that will matter. My friends will stand there. The people of our community will stand before God. They may have been nice people, kind people in many, many ways. But the only thing that's going to matter is was their names, were their names written in the Lamb's book of life? If their name was not written in the Lamb's book of life, they will face the second death. Remember, death doesn't mean an end. Death simply means separation. When we talk about this body dying, when Stephen died, he looked up into heaven and he commended his spirit to the Lord. The body stopped to function. The spirit that was in it went and stood before God. Goes before God in a moment, in an instant. That's the first death, and Jesus tells us we don't need to fear that one. The one we need to fear is the second one. The second separation is when man is separated from God, when the spirit and soul of man is separated from God for all eternity and cast into the lake of fire, the second death. And everyone that we meet, everyone that we know, their name will either be found in the Lamb's book of life or it won't be. This is a pass-fail test at this point in the judgment. And you'll either go and be with God because your name was in the Lamb's book of life or you, your friend, your relative, your loved ones, your children will be separated from him for all eternity. I can't think of any more important decision for me to make or any more important decision for me to help others make than to make a decision about what they're going to do with Jesus. It is the one decision that impacts all of eternity. John 3.16 tells us, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Do people who are Christians, who believe in Jesus, do they die the first time? That's not what Jesus was talking about here, was he? He was saying that those who put their belief in him will not die the second time. They'll not perish. Because God so loved the world, he sent his son, and if we put our belief in him, we're gonna, we'll have eternal life. He goes on in John three seventeen. he says, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Listen, 
The world's not going to be saved through the prophet Muhammad. The prophets, the people are not going to be saved because they're Hindu or because they're Buddhists. They're not going to be saved because they're good people, better than somebody else. There's only one way to be saved, and that is through Jesus. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. Whoever does not believe is condemned already. Because he's not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Listen, some of you may have a son, a grandson. You may have a a, a daughter. You may have somebody that you love dearly in your life. Maybe a husband, maybe a wife, maybe a friend at work that you love dearly in life. But they've not put their belief in Jesus. And I want to call to us today... If their belief isn't in Jesus, they're lost. Doesn't matter how much I love them. What matters about how much I love them is how much am I willing to pray for them? How much am I willing to challenge them? How much am I willing to stand in the gap for them? How much am I willing to work to see them come to salvation? We hold these little children in our in our arms that grow into being teenagers and and adults and We love them with all of our heart. But if they don't surrender their life to Jesus, their name's not written in the Lamb's book of life. It doesn't matter how many good times we had with them. It doesn't matter how much we loved them. It certainly doesn't matter what kind of an athlete they were. We get caught up in the wrong. It doesn't matter if they got straight A's or straight F's. None of that matters at that moment. They either have their name written in the Lamb's book of life or they don't. That's all that matters. I don't, know how, why we, I don't know why Christians get this confused. We chase after things like they're important when there's only one thing that's important, our children knowing God. Now, is it nice to do some of the other stuff? Sure. But I'm not going to let any of the other stuff get in the way of me pointing them to Jesus and Jesus being the most important thing in life, the most important thing. John 3.36 says, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. I love that. Whoever. Whoever. Who does that include? Whoever. This is great news for us. That we don't have to be born with some pedigree, some background, some religious history, some, some, uh, some other talent or gift. It's whoever believes in Him has eternal life. Whoever does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. The wrath of God. Why the wrath? Because God is holy. Because we are sinners. And all that's left for us is the judgment of God. The wrath of God remains on those who reject Jesus. So, where does that leave us? What is the calling of people who know this, who understand it, who know that we're all going to stand before God someday and there's no guarantee of tomorrow. What is our, what is our calling? What is our responsibility? In Luke chapter 19, it says this, For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Jesus knew his one main purpose on this life. In Acts chapter 1, verse 6, 
It says, so when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? They still were confused after his resurrection. They thought he was now, they were asking, are, are you now going to set up reign in Israel? You've died, you've resurrected, you've proven you're powerful over the death. Are you now going to make Israel and, and set up an earthly kingdom? Still confused. He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons the Father is fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And I, I always kind of stop here because I, I realize they still didn't hear the whole message. They still thought the end of the earth just meant to other Jews. They were still going to have to struggle, and the Holy Spirit was still going to have to do things for them to understand everyone, whoever, anybody who wants to come can get saved. He had said it to them over and over and over again, and they still didn't get it. So we ask ourselves, why was the Holy Spirit sent to us? Now, I come from a very traditional Pentecostal background. And if you talk to a lot of uh, traditional Pentecostal people, their, their immediate response would be so we can speak in tongues. That'd be their immediate response. So we can have, you know, gifts of the Spirit happen in church service. That'd be their immediate response. And I want to tell you, I believe in speaking in tongues. I pray in tongues. I thank God for the gift of tongues. I thank God for the way it builds our lives. It is a, we pray from our mind and we can pray from our spirit, being led by the spirit of God. If you don't have that gift, I'd encourage you to seek it. But that is not what Jesus said here was the primary reason the Holy Spirit sent. I've heard messages, you heard, you heard uh, Neville last week talk about this young boy who was living in an abused home and comes home and his mom's been beaten by the, by the dad and he prays over him. The dad hears this prayer in his native language that the boy doesn't know, how it shakes up that guy's life. Well, that, that's God. That's a whole other gifting that God does. I believe in all of that. But listen. When somebody looks at me and says, I'm baptized in the Holy Spirit, I don't want to ask them if, if they speak in tongues. I want to ask them who you're witnessing to. Who you're wanting to God. Well, you know, I don't have that gift. No, you're filled with the Spirit. That's why the Spirit came. That's why He came. He came to give us power to be His witnesses. So thank God if you do those other things. But don't forget... This is the primary reason that Jesus said he was going to come. It's so that we would be empowered. What does that mean? That means that when we begin to speak, not only will we be able to speak with some boldness, but we will be able to speak in a way that penetrates the darkness. There will be power in the words. Not our power, not the persuasiveness of our argument, but the anointing of the Spirit to pierce darkness and people's lives that you can sit there and lovingly look at them and share a word and it connect with their spirit. Isn't that how you got saved? Somebody was up preaching or teaching or you were reading something and it penetrated into your heart and you went, wow, that's true. I need to give my heart to God. I need to, I need to accept Jesus. 
And that's what we pray for and what we look for. Now, Matthew 28, 18. It says, this is just before Jesus left the earth. He said, Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So now he's about to tell him to do something. Because he has authority, he says, Go, therefore, and make, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. He says, I, you're gonna, now, I'm, I have authority. I'm giving you a commandment and a direction. Go into the world and make disciples. I'm going to be with you while you go. I'm going to be right there with you to the very end of the age. So, here's the condition of man. All men are going to stand before God someday. And unless that person's name is written in the Lamb's book of life, they're going to be lost. We are called as believers to tell them the message and to count on the Holy Spirit to do a work in their life to draw them to salvation. Last week we talked, two weeks ago we talked about this need to pray for boldness. Now, let's talk about a couple of things we need to know. The good news. So, what, first question is this, what is a sinner? Well, all people born under the law are sinners. And everybody's born under the law. This is why you've got to be born again under grace. You're born under the law. You're born separated from God. The second part of this is what's a sinner? It's people who are not connected to God. It's people who are not being, uh, who are not in, in communion and in, in relationship with God. That's all of us. We're all born in this condition because of sin in, in, our, in our nature. We are separated from God. A sinner are people who by, nat by nature live their way instead of God's way. That's what we are. That is the sin nature. That's the sin nature. So if you get this picture, and I've shared this with you a couple times, but I want us to capture this. If you paint, if you, if you look at your heart and your nature as a, a poisoned field, that anything that grows in it is going to be affected by the poison in the field. That's our nature. And what grows out of that field is going to naturally be destructive. So, in our lives, for one person that might be selfishness. For another person it might be lust. For another person, it might be an addictive nature. For another person, it might be prejudice or hatred or some combination of all of the things, a murderous spirit or a covetous spirit or all the things, uh, you know, a homosexual spirit or an immoral spirit. All of those things naturally grow out of what is in our heart, separated from God. And they don't look the same. What's comes, what grows in your field that won't necessarily look the same as what grows in my field, but all of them are of the sin nature. They all come from this sin nature. Discord, all these things come out of this sin nature. And so we sit there and we, we, we take some sins, 
And we say, oh, those are really bad sins. And you know, they, they do this, that, but all they do is they come out of the sin nature. I'm not as bad as them because my sin isn't as bad. No, your sin's just different. Your sin's just different. And maybe you control a little bit more, but it still comes out of the sin nature. And what has to be transformed is the sin nature. I've got to get a spirit nature in me. I've got to get transformed by the power of the Spirit because I'm separated from God. So we look at this and we realize that people are sinners. Now, here's, here's a passage of Scripture, Romans 3. It says, what then? Are we Jews any better off? He's asking them the question. Are we Jews better because we were born Jewish? And he says, no, not at all. For we have already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin. All. As it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. Now, here's the gospel or, or good news. We find it in, in Romans 3.21. But now, the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. How did that happen? How was the righteousness of God manifested apart from the law? Jesus. Good answer, Jesus. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the law and the prophets point to Jesus. They point to him. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe for there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's the bad news. Every person has sinned. Every person has a sin nature. Every person is this person who's done it their own way. All have sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. What we were meant to be, we are not. We've sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Because we live in this nature of sin, we don't reflect the wisdom, the power, the glory of God the way we should. We've fallen short of it. And then he goes on with the good news. And are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. This is why we owe everything to Jesus. We owe everything to him because we are redeemed through him. When God put forward as a, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over our former sins. What he's saying there is that in this last line, is, is this. God's been patient. God's been patient. He's, he's born with our sin, our past sin, until Jesus could come so that we could be saved. Because if we'd gotten what we deserved, we would have gotten judgment. And that's the case for every one of us before we say, if we'd have got what we deserved, we'd have got instantaneous judgment. But he was patient for Jesus to come into our lives. So here we have it. 
There's a righteousness apart from the law. We can't be righteous through the law. We are broken. There's a righteousness that comes apart from the law. We get that applied to our life through faith in Jesus that comes to all who believe because all have sinned, but we can be justified by his grace. We look at sin. We have a sin nature. The heart's poison. And that heart needs to be healed. So, what does this mean to all people? What this means is this. In Romans 6, 23, it says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The wages of sin. The cost of sin is death. Which death is it? Eternal separation from God. The person who dies without coming to Jesus, no matter how much we love him or care for him, the wages of sin is eternal separation from Jesus. Eternal separation from God. Remember the lake of fire? Their destiny is the lake of fire. Say, oh, why didn't God do something about that? He did. He sent his son. Why does he do something about it now? He did. He he sends us. The church is called. We have the great commission that we've been given to go into all the world and make disciples. That's why we support missionaries around the world that we talked about last week. That's why we make faith promises and give So, because we're so passionate about seeing people saved. We want to invest in those who are going. That's why some sign up and go on missions trips so they can go and help see people get saved and encourage people. That's why we do all the things that we do is because we want people to come to salvation because everybody is going to stand before God whether they were born in a Christian nation or a non-Christian nation. They're going to stand before God someday. Now what's the good news in all of this? Romans 5, 6 says this, For while we were still weak, some verses say, for while we were still sinners at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Hey, friends, this is just this understand. We were lost, totally lost, no way to fix ourselves, and Jesus came and died for us so that we could be born again. And if you call on his name and put your faith in Jesus, you're saved. You're saved, and he is with you. John 3.36 says that, said it very clearly. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Hear it? Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. But, but capture the first part of this again. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Ninety times in the Gospel of John alone, we are told to believe. Believe. So so here's the summary of this. We're all going to spend eternity someplace. Every person you know is going to spend eternity someplace. Every person you love is going to spend eternity someplace. Every person you care about is going to spend eternity. My grandchildren are going to spend eternity someplace. Your grandchildren, your children, your friends, your relatives. We are all sinners, and the wrath of God is on us because we do not reflect his glory. We are broken 
and in rebellion. And Jesus came at just the right time and paid, the, paid our price so that if we had put our faith in him, instead of receiving the judgment of God, we can receive the grace of God. For that, we should be thankful every day. For that, we should come into this place every Sunday morning and sing with vigor and sing with joy, sing with our hands lifted up, sing and shout because Jesus has saved us. Amen? Amen. <coughs> Sometimes I think we, 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 we get lost in this. We kind of get dull by the activity of the day and we need to draw our minds and our hearts right back to this fact. I needed saved and I am saved because of Jesus. Amen? So, now that I know this, now that I understand this, now that we're, we've restated this one more time, I've got to understand, I have a responsibility. Jesus told us to go into the world and make disciples. D Jesus didn't say, listen, uh, all you folks who are following me, I'm going to raise up some you know, full-time ministers and I'm going to send them out, and you guys just hope they do well. It's not what he says. God, in his love, this used to really bother me. I would, I would sit at a mall, and I would see these, sometimes in, in big cities, thousands of people walking by. I'd drive, drive through a city and see hundreds and thousands of cars driving by, and i think, God, what about all these people? And one day the Lord finally spoke says, don't you think I love them? I've planted somebody in all their lives. Planted somebody. That may be you in a home full of people who don't know God at all. That may be you in an office building, in a workplace, where most of the people don't love God. And here's the sad thing. Many, many times, we as Christians come out of those settings going, oh, pray for me, I'm getting so, be it's so hard, it's so tough. Instead of saying, thank God, he's put me right, he's entrusted me enough to put me right in the middle of a tough place to be his witness. God, thank you for trusting me enough to put me here. Now, fill me with your boldness. Let me live in a way that's righteous. Let me be able to speak the truth in love. So, so here, this, here's the question. How do I share with people who are close to me? Now, there's a lot of things we can talk about evangelism. But over the next four weeks, we want to really talk about how do we talk to the people who are close to us? You know, the, the closest. Sometimes I find it easier to talk to people who I just kind of casually meet. Say, hey, you want to come to church? Or want to invite you to this, side or the other? But what about the people who are close to us? How do you talk to a relative? How do you talk to a coworker that's a friend? How do you talk to your buddy that, that doesn't understand why you go to church all the time? How do you talk to them and not, you know, just wreck the relationship? How do we do it? That's what we're going to talk about. My first question, though, for you is what keeps you from being a witness in the first place? What keeps you from witnessing to those that you don't know? Now, if you're sitting there and you say, I do, then praise God, then can pray for continued boldness. Amen? And pray for wisdom. If you don't, 
If you don't, what keeps you from it? Maybe it's fear. Maybe insecurity. Maybe you're afraid of being too pushy and coming across judgmental. Whatever that is, you've got to, you've got to put this thing in the balances here and say, wait a second. I, I, don't want to let, I don't want to let anybody in this room off the hook. Wait a second. I am called to be his witness. I'm called. I'm placed there to be his witness. So how do I deal with whatever's keeping me from doing it? Because I'm going to stand before God and, and listen. The great white throne judgment is the first judgment. When we're done at the great white throne judgment, the day comes when we stand at the judgment seat of Christ. At the judgment seat of Christ, we are judged by everything we did and didn't do. We either receive reward or we have things taken from us. And the Bible describes that moment that some will go into heaven with nothing and others will go in with crowns because they were obedient. This is why we say to you, uh, listen, about five seconds after the rapture, you will thank every pastor and every missionary who challenged you to give to missions and you obeyed. So oh, good. Woo! I'm glad I did that. Glad I did that. You'll thank God for every tithe dollar you put in. You'll be thank, Pastor, thank me for t- calling me to tithe. Because you're going to discover treasures in heaven. You'll be thankful for every ministry you got in. You'll be thankful for every missions trip you went on, no matter how hard it was. You'll be thankful for all the times you witnessed to people because there's a reward for that obedience. And you'll regret every time you didn't. You'll wish you had. You'll wish you had. Now think about this, friend. I hear people say this all the time. Oh, you know, there won't be anything. You know, there's no tears in heaven. Listen, there's no tears in heaven until after the millennium. There's plenty of tears from the time that we die and the time that Jesus comes until the millennium's over. There's regrets. There's a sense of loss. There's an awareness of friends and loved ones who aren't there. There's regret for things we didn't do. It's not until the end of the book of Revelation that God wipes away every tear. So, we need to deal with this stuff. So, what are ways that we can reach out to people that we know or even that we casually know? Uh, I'm going to ask the ushers to come down right now and we're going to give you all a card. Uh, this is an invite card for Good Friday and for Easter. And we're going to give you one uh, every week when you come to church for the next several weeks. And after the next week or so, we'll have a bunch of them out there for you if you want to get more. Guys, just pass them out as fast as you can to everybody that's here. And just give them one. They only get one. Don't, don't worry, you'll get more later. Tonight, to this week, you're just getting one. And, and I want to encourage you to, we're going to pray tonight before we go, to give this specifically to somebody this week. Now, 
uh, under under invite people, let's put up A on the on the notes. Is there is there a phone number there? It's supposed to be a phone number right next to that, or a, not a phone number, an email address. Is the email address there? No, Calvary Church. Boy, I can't remember the exact email address. It's supposed to be up there for us. Calvary Church at CalvarySpringfield.org is our church. Calvary Church at CalvarySpringfield.org. Here, so, but Calvary Church at CalvarySpringfield.org. Is it on your notes? CalvarySpringfield.org is on the card. But the email address, Calvary Church at Calvary Springfield, I don't see that on the card. Calvary Church at CalvarySpringfield.org. Here's what we'd like for you to do. Invite somebody and email us and tell us about it. Invite somebody, email us and tell us about it. Calvary Church at CalvarySpringfield.org. Hey, I invited my coworker. They tore it up in my face and threw it on the ground. You know, or I invited my friend and they said they're going to come. Listen, today, Renee and I went out to a, a restaurant and uh, a lady uh, waited on us who's waited on us at that restaurant many, many times. And I've handed her a few of these cards over the years. Uh, but today she came back, she was waiting on us again, and I had one of my cards with me. And I said, Kim, I want to I give this to you. This is about our Easter stuff. You've waited on us so many times. We would love to be able to serve you at Easter. And she took it and she said, thank you. Maybe I'll come. Maybe I'll come. I said, well, if you come, make sure you look for me. and Come up and say hi to me. Now, I'm going to see her again because I eat at that restaurant all the time. And every time I see her, I'm going to keep asking her, Kim, you got my Easter card. Come out at Easter. Listen, this... If you do this in a, you can do this in a really non-threatening way if you do it. Hey, I would just, I just want to give you this. I'd love for you to come. This is just an invite to a couple of really big things. Easter's coming. It's a big celebration. If, if you want to really know about the cross, you can come on Friday night. Just come. We'd love for you to come. Tell me what service you're coming to. Which one of the four? If you decide to come, let me know which one you're coming to. I'll, I'll meet you there. And hopefully that means you have to come three times or four times. Because you invite four people and four people come at different times, you have to come with them. Would that be okay, though? So here's what we want you to do. Take this card. We're going to pray over it in a minute. Ask God who he'd have you give it to. And this week, give it to somebody. And say, listen, in about a month, Easter's coming. I want to give you a pre-invite. Look him in the eye. Say, oh, that scares me. I'm going to tell you two things about me. One, the more you do it, the less scared you'll get. The more you do it, the easier it's going to become. But two, that fear, that's just the enemy. That's all. That's all. He just, it's just the enemy. So what if they get mad at you? Would you rather them be mad at you here or at the great white throne judgment? I'd rather them be mad at me here and me at least at the great white throne judgment, no matter what happens, go, man, I, I, I told you, buddy. I, that's going to be the biggest I told you so in all of history right there. I told you, man. I warned you. But hopefully, at the great white throne judgment, they'll be throwing their arms around you saying, thank you. Thank you for sharing with me. Now, this is the simplest, easiest thing 
you can do in being a witness is just invite people to church. And we studied this last year. 70 to 80% of the people who get saved get saved because somebody brought them to church. Think about it. 70 to 80% of people get saved because somebody just said, hey, go to church with me. And somewhere in the middle of all that, God moves in their life. We're going to talk more about this and what these statistics mean and what we can be doing in the next several weeks. But here's the second thing. If you really want to impact the people that you know, really know well, you have to have a spiritual talk with them. Now, we're going to lay out a strategy to do this in the weeks ahead. But we want to start today. We want to just start getting you ready for this today. You, I want to encourage you to get very, very comfortable at having a spiritual talk with the people in your life. So here's the deal. I would encourage you, even this week, sit down someplace when you have a few minutes and just write down the name of every person you know. It may be hundreds of names. Write all their names down. And then go through the list and kind of mark off every name of every person that you know is saved. If you've got a lot of people that you know are saved, maybe you don't even put their names on it. You just skip over there. Oh, I know he's saved. I'm not going to think or worry about him. You want a list of people who you don't know whether they're saved or not. Maybe they are, you just don't know it. Maybe you're pretty sure they're not. And then, as you look at that list, you want to begin to pray for them. This is the most important thing you can do in this process. Just begin to pray for them. Just begin to pray for them. But what we want to learn to do is to, is to have a spiritual talk. What is a spiritual talk? It's simply... You being a witness. So let's think about this. What is a witness? Does this mean I have to know a bunch of scriptures? Does this mean I have to be able to walk them through a bunch of scriptures? No. If you saw a crime today, if you saw a crime today, you wouldn't have to know all the legalese about talking about the crime. You'd just say, nope. I was standing in the store. This guy came in. He was about six foot two. He had dark hair. Uh, he, he was really mean acting. He pulled a gun out and he robbed the guy behind the counter. I was scared to death. And, you know, I think it's my neighbor. I think I recognize him. <laughs> what, were you just, what, what did you just do? You were a witness. You were a witness to what you saw or to what happened to you. Why were the disciples called? They were, they were, what were they called? They were called to be a witness of what they saw. What are we called? We are called to be a witness of what's happened in our lives. I want to tell you, your testimony, your story is powerful when you share it with the people who know you. Not, but you have to learn how to be a witness. Being a witness of what has happened in your life is a powerful tool to touch others. Being a witness is what Jesus called us to do. And I believe we all need to be able to give, listen, a clear, let me really stress this, short witness. If it's more than three or four minutes, it's going to come across like you're preaching at them. That's when you start to offend people. It's a clear, short witness to our faith. And what we're going to do 
is we're going to talk about how to, how to develop that story. Listen, I, I just believe you need to have that story down so well that at any moment you can just go right into it. It's just part, it's just naturally part. Hey, let me tell you about how, how I came to know Christ. Let me tell you what happened to me. And that's going to be a different thing for every one of us. How did this happen? When we do this, obedience is doable. So here are some key points to think about as you develop your story. What was your life like before Christ? You may want to include some of these elements. And here's one that's really important. What drew me to Christ? How did I really come to know Christ? Number three, what is my life like afterwards? Why does it matter? And what is the hope that I now have? So here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a minute in just a second and give you a chance to take two or three, four minutes and just kind of jot some notes down, maybe in your phone or on the back of your notepad, about, about this. And, and I, want, I want to encourage you to talk about these in your small groups this week. Listen, this is simple stuff. You know, I, I was raised in church. My parents were pastors. I, I was never a drug addict or a drunkard or any of the things many people in the church write up as sin. But as I grew up, I witnessed the life-changing power of God in other lives. And as I heard the teaching of the Bible, I became aware that I had some things in my life that controlled me. I was selfish and manipulative, at times mean-spirited, and was growing more and more lustful in my life. But there came a point that I became aware that even though I was raised in church, I was far from God. I became aware that I was going to stand before God someday, and it wasn't going to be good. But I was also aware that anyone who calls on the name of Jesus will be saved. <laughs> I did that. In fact, I did it a lot. I, I now know that God did a work in my life immediately, began a long term in my life that is still going on today. And I found the joy of his presence and the joy of his purpose in, in him. And I believe that we're all going to stand before our creator someday for judgment. And when I stand there, I will not have my hope in being a preacher's kid. My hope's not going to be that I was a preacher. The hope, my hope's not going to be that I was trying to do what the Spirit and the Word told me to do. My hope is going to be that my faith is in Jesus. And I want everyone I know and everyone that I love, and brother, I love you. You're my friend. I want everyone I know to know that they can find life here and life for eternity in Jesus. Man, is it okay that I shared that with you? I hope it's okay I shared that with you. Do you have any questions about it? Hey, I, I just want to tell you, the most important thing you're ever going to do in your life is make a decision about Jesus. Have you ever thought about that? Hey, as a friend, I want to challenge you to think about that. And if you ever have any questions, I'm here. Watch my life. Watch me. Hey, I'm going to be inviting you to some things from time to time. I hope you come. I'm doing that because I love you. Now, maybe the person looks at and says, yeah, I've been born again for a long time. I go to this other church. I've just been wondering if I should ever talk to you. Well, now you found another brother. 
Maybe you find somebody who says, I don't believe any of that stuff. You say, eh, that's okay. I, I know a lot of people who didn't that eventually did. But if you have questions, you know, what, if you want to add, talk about that, I'm glad to talk about why you don't believe. But you, you take, you, you want to be so non-threatening. Let the Spirit of God do His work. Don't try to do it for Him. Just share your story, whatever it is. Your story may be, boy, in a deep time of need, I was broken. I was addicted to this stuff, and I, I didn't know how to get out of it. And I met Jesus, and he set me free. Or I was going through this terrible time in a relationship, and I didn't know what to do. And I was broken, and God came in and rescued me and began to fill my heart up with love again that I didn't think I could ever have. Whatever your story is. I was raised in a place far from God, didn't know him, and this crazy neighbor came into my life and started talking to me about God, and I got to thinking about God, and the more I thought about it, the more my spirit got convicted, and the more my spirit got convicted, the more I knew I had to do something, and finally I went to church with him. This guy got up and said I needed to get saved, and said all I had to do was ask Christ into my life, so I did it. What's your story? What's your story? What's God done in your life since that happened. So, it is right now seven till, and we're going to stop at eight and come down here, oh, six till. We're going to stop in six minutes and come down here and pray. But I want to I challenge you right now. Take a few minutes, either on your phone or on the back of that, and just begin to jot down your story a little bit. What are the key points to it? I'm just, you don't have to get it perfect tonight. Just begin to jot some things down. So we're just going to let them maybe play some music back in the back, and you jot some things down. <sighs> Father, we hold these cards in our hands. And Father, over the last week, I've been praying that you would uh, show me this week who you'd have me invite this week. And Lord, you opened uh, the door for me to invite Kim. And uh, Father, I don't know what her spiritual background is. We've talked many times over the, the years, but uh, we've never gotten that deep into things. Uh, but Lord, I, I just pray that, uh, Father, you'd help us, help me to know what's going on in her life. And I just lift her up before you and pray you'd touch her heart. And, if she doesn't know you, Father, let this be the first step to her really coming to know you personally. Just, Father, let this card just continue to speak to her. Let your spirit touch her and guide her. Father, I, I would pray that other Christians would begin to reach out to her that, and that, Father, she'd be drawn to you. Now, I, I pray for every person in this room, Father, that you would, in the next few days, uh, give us somebody that you'd have us to hand this card to. Father, maybe that would be somebody you'd, you'd tell us to go look for. Maybe it'd be somebody that just we see and go, that's it, that's the person. So, Father, whichever way you'd work it in our lives, whether you'd lay a name on our heart or whether you'd just lead us to that person, let us find that person in the next few days and let us 
Father, in great comfort and great boldness, just say, hey, Easter's coming. Come celebrate with us. We pray that Easter Sunday, Easter Saturday night and Sunday, resurrection days when we celebrate the Father, a multitude of people would come to salvation. A multitude of people would come to salvation and use us in that process, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, I would, uh, when I was in high school, I would bring uh, friends to church with me. You know, not as often as I should have by any stretch of the imagination, but occasionally I'd get fired up and invite friends to church with me. And one of the things that I just, I never did get a grip of is, okay, I got them here. They just experienced the church service. What do I do with them now? And you'd have this kind of discomfort of, okay, what did they think? Why did they not think? How do we talk to each other? And, and I want to tell you where, where that ended for me. That ended for me when I learned this aspect of being a witness. Because, see, here, here's what you do. You invite somebody to church at Easter and they come. And, and you're able to sit with them at the end of service and say, hey, boy, I love service. I hope you love service today. Can I tell you why I invited you? Can I tell you why I invited you? And you share your witness. You stand out in the hallway. You walk over to a chair in the cafe. It's a nice day. You stand out in the parking lot and say, man, can I just tell you why I invited you? And at the end of all, you say, I just wanted to make sure you, you were ready for heaven. I just love you. I just care for you that much. I wanted to make sure you're ready for heaven. And you plant, that's how you talk to them. I care about you. I, I, I'm interested in your eternity. And, and man, I, I'm going uh, to, when you're ready to accept Christ, are you ready to accept Christ? Have you ever accepted Christ? Are you ready? Because if you are, we can do that right now. Right now. And if you're not, I, I want to encourage you. Get your questions lined up. And ask me. I may not know the answers, but I'll go find somebody who does. And guess what? I'm going to keep inviting you to stuff. No, no need to do that. Yeah, I love you too much not to. Care about you too much not to. I'm going to invite you to stuff from time to time. Listen, this is an important decision, friend. Don't, don't, don't wait too long. Just be loving and sincere. You don't have to say, oh, you're a terrible sinner. You don't have let God do that. We're all sinners. They look and say, oh, you're just judging me. No, I'm, I, hey, listen, I'm judging myself. I know where I am. I need Jesus. And so you just have that talk with them. I want to encourage you. Don't just, if you invite, when you invite somebody, you get them in. The altar call doesn't have to be the last thing that's done. Oh, they didn't raise their hand. <clears throat> didn't work. Go out in the hallway. Maybe, the, maybe they'll get saved in the hallway. You know, we get saved sitting at lunch together. Just let the Spirit of God guide you in it. But this is why, I want to tell you, this is why it's important for you to get your story down. 
And I want to encourage you to work. We're going to do this over the next several weeks. We're going to have you share stories with each other in here and just kind of, you know, share it with your husband or your wife or your friends or your, you know, other Christians that you know, somebody in your small group. Just begin to share it with other people. Why? Because you just want to get it so it kind of flows out of your life. And and it it morphs. You know, if I was talking to somebody I went to high school with today, when I talk to my old high school friends, I I don't, you know, I don't go through, I look at them and say, listen, man, you knew in high school, you knew I was going to church, you knew I loved God, you knew I was a Christian. Man, did God, has God done a lot of things in my life since then? Has he changed me a lot since then? I just want to tell you, God's been good to me. Let me tell you why I became a preacher. I just got this great passion for people who don't know Jesus. Man, let me tell you. And, and you go into your story. If I was talking to somebody who's known I've been a preacher all my life, I'd, I'd look at him and say, listen, you you know I'm a preacher. You know that's what I do. And let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. It's not to get rich, that's for sure. God's been good to me, but let me tell you why. Just, just be natural in that. But the more you know your story, the more you have it down, the more you're comfortable just it popping off you. God will give you Sometimes he will give you opportunities to just suddenly come up on you. A friend will just suddenly say to you, why do you go to church all the time anyway? Why, why are you uh, about that? Somebody will just ask you that. I've had, I've had friends in high school say, what, what, are you, what are you doing? Why? You want to have an answer. In an instant, you want to have an answer. And then there's been other times when you sit and you say, God moves you off and you look at that list of people that you know, and God says, them, call them. Take them to lunch. Now, if I'm going to do that, I tell them. I, I don't, you know, I, I, don't, I don't tell them, hey, let's just go have fun. Right? I really want to be serious. I tell them, hey, uh, let's go to lunch. i got something I want to talk to you about. Take, I'll take about five minutes of time, and then we'll have fun. And you take them and you say, hey, you know, you have fun. Have a little bit of fun. You enjoy each other for a few minutes. And you say, hey, uh, before we go, I want to share one thing with you that's the most important thing in my life. And I'm, I'm not going to take a lot of time. I'm not, I just want to share something with you and let you start thinking about it. And I'm telling you, God's going to use you if you'll do that. Your testimony will make a difference in people's lives. You, listen, you want to be able to share your testimony with your grandchildren? You want to be able to share when, you're, when your grandchildren are old, they should be able to look at their grandchildren and say, I remember my grandpa set me down. I remember my grandma set me down and told me how they came to Christ. And you know what? They told me how their parents came to Christ. Here's how their parents, and, and if, you're, if, if, if you have parents farther back, grandparents, they told me how their grandparents came to Christ. I've told all of my kids how my grandfather came to Christ. I want that embedded deep within them as a real part of who we are and what we are. And so I just want to encourage you, get your story down so your family can know it and they can repeat it. But also get it down so when you can look at people and share it with them. Father, I just pray today that you'd help us just to think and, and, and to remember what you've done for us. Oh, Lord, and to be fearless, to be bold, to love people so much that we begin to have spiritual talks with them. So lead us in you and direct us in you. And Father, as we, as we work on this, just let, us, let our words be filled with your grace. In Jesus' name, amen.
Now let me take a little bit of pressure off of you before you go. If you've never shared your testimony with someone, you probably don't want to go do it this week. <laughs> you probably want to write it out and share it with a few other people. Get a little comfortable with it. Make sure you're saying the right thing. Ask them, boy, am I leaving anything out? And get comfortable with it. Now, of course, if somebody just asks you, you got to go for it. You can't look at them and say, oh, I'm not ready yet. <laughs> you know, we're going to dangle you over hell for another week while, while I'm getting ready. No, you gotta, you got to go for it in that moment, right? Uh, even if you say, hey, I don't know anything to say to you, so come over here and talk to this guy. He knows what to say. That's okay, too. But share your, but just get, you want to get to this place where you're so comfortable that you've got it. You've got it. Why? Because everybody you see is going to stand at the great white throne judgment someday, and it's going to be heaven or hell. Everybody. Man. I can't think of anything more important. Lord, go with us and stir that in our whole church, we pray. Stir a spirit of evangelism in our church in a new era. Let, let us be so passionate for the people around us, Father. That, Father, we're ready in, in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, listen, the next couple of weeks we're going to talk about how to get more and more ready and some other things you need to look at. So make sure you're here the next couple of weeks on Wednesday night. God bless you. Go in the name of the Lord. I love you.